Welcome to our look together at Acts chapter 17. This is day four of week four of our look together through the book of Acts. Remember, we're going a chapter a day, just getting an overview of what God's doing in Acts. And in this overview, we've seen the new church begin. We've seen how Paul began as Saul, persecuting the church and has been brought to faith in Christ. Incredible change. We've seen how Peter has been brought to see that the Gentiles must be brought in. And then the first missionary journey. And people hear the good news. And now we're in the midst of this second missionary journey. Paul and Silas and others along with them, Timothy. In chapter 17, we see them going to Thessalonica and then to Berea. And then I want to focus today. Then they go to Athens where something very different happens in the life of Paul. There's not much response. There's a lot of talk. Listen to what happens in Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 15 and going down through verse 21. The men who had escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. That's what happened to Paul as he walked into this place called Athens. And he begins to tell them about this new teaching. Have you ever asked yourself, what makes Christianity different? What makes the teaching of Jesus different from any other religion in the world? Acts 17, 19, these in Athens immediately recognized it. It's a new teaching. What makes it so new? Paul is faced with these questions in Athens. What makes the difference? What makes it different? And he lays out some answers. He lays out some answers for you and I that can help you and I to remember what is different about the teaching of Jesus Christ. What's different? Number one, the claim that you can know God personally. Jesus called God Father. And what's different about the teaching of Christ? You and I can have a personal relationship with our Father in heaven. In other religions, God is the creator God is to be feared. But in the teaching of Jesus Christ, the truth of who God is, God is to be reverenced in a deep, close, personal relationship with him. In verse 22, here's what Paul says, verse 22 and 23. Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and he said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For I've walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God which you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. That's the new teaching. Something unknown, now I'm going to proclaim it to you. And as you walk through these verses, Paul powerfully shows how much of the world worships God in ways that do not connect with who he really is, have no relationship with him, but in Christ we can worship him as somebody who we know. There are so many different ways that we try to know God. And Paul talks about them here. In verse 24, he talks about uh, those who worship a God who dwells in temples. In verse 24, the God who made this world and everything in it 
is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. You can't, you can't relegate God to a building, a temple. We don't build a temple to put God in that temple. We build a temple. God asked them to build some temples in Old Testament times, tabernacles, to recognize the presence of God in all of creation. And now we don't build temples at all anymore because he's made us a temple of his spirit. That's a different way of thinking. You cannot build a temple, a church, a synagogue, a mosque, any kind of building in which you can place God. That's where God lives. No, he lives in human hearts. That's a new teaching. In verse 25, Paul says this. And by the way, he says, he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Paul reminds those in Athens that he doesn't need us, we need him. If your God needs you, there's something wrong with your God. By the way, with the temple, if you have to go visit your God somewhere, there's something wrong with your God. Paul reminds them here that God is a God who wants to know us personally, who is with us everywhere that we are. In verse 29, he talks about idols. And he says, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. We don't fashion God. God fashions us. He's just reminding them here of the truth about who God really is. You don't visit God. God is the one who came and visited us in Jesus Christ. You don't have a God who serves you. You're the one who serves God. And by the way, he says here, if your God is moldable, if you can put them on a shelf somewhere, you've got the wrong God. God is the creator of the universe who wants to know you personally. That's what's different about the message of Jesus Christ. How do you know him personally? Paul talks about it in these verses as he's talking to them. He calls him Lord. He calls him creator. He calls him sustainer. That's how you know him. If, as these Athenians did, if all you believe is that God exists, you can easily ignore him. Well, he exists somewhere, but I can ignore him. If, as some people believe, all you believe is that God has power, then you can fear him. But once you realize that God is a God of love, then you have to know him to become like him. That's what's different about the teaching of Jesus Christ. It claims that God can be known personally. What's different about the teaching of Jesus Christ? It calls on men to repent, to turn around. It calls in verse 30 on this. In the past, Paul says, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. It's not a matter of just thinking differently. It's a matter of living differently. It's not a matter of returning to the traditions of the past. It's a matter of living out the life of God in your life today. Decide to be different. How? By trusting in what only he can do. Most of the world today thinks that if you decide to be different, you do that by pulling yourself up by your own spiritual bootstraps. You take charge of your life. That's how you become different. Jesus Christ, the teaching of Jesus Christ, this new teaching says not at all. Repent, change your mind. As we've talked about earlier in our study of the book of Acts, for some people this has become a negative word because it's gotten negative connotations, but it's a beautiful word. It means, it means you change your mind. You have personal sorrow of the direction you've taken, but because of that, you make a U-turn and you go in a different direction. You're not just sad about the past. You make a U-turn and you head towards God's future. Jesus Christ comes into your heart. He changes your mind. He changes your life. He changes your direction. That's what's new about this teaching. The claim that God can be known personally, the call that we must repent, 
There's a third thing that's new about this teaching. It centers on the resurrection. Verse 31, he has given proof of this to all men by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. When they heard about this resurrection from the dead, some of them, listening to Paul, sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. This Areopagus that we've been talking about, it was a place up on the hill in Athens where they went to talk about all the ideas of the day. And Paul, at the end, comes to an idea they cannot accept, that most of them reject. A few of them, they have their interests tickled, and they think, oh, let's hear about this again. A very few believe, but most just reject. What is it that sets the truth of Jesus Christ apart more than any other truth? It's the empty tomb. It's the resurrection. You look at every other religion in the world. You look at every other leader in the world. You look at Buddha. You look at Muhammad. The tomb is not empty. You look at Abraham. You look at Moses. If we knew where their tomb was, it is not empty. You look at even great political leaders, Washington or Lenin. You look at great philosophical leaders, Plato or Socrates. All those tombs are occupied. On the outside of that tomb, if you could go to it today and there was a sign on it, it would say occupied. Only the tomb of Jesus Christ is empty. Only the tomb of Jesus Christ has a great big not here. He is not here. He has risen. Why? Because the truth of Christ is not a religion. It's not a philosophy. It's not a way of life. It is a person, Jesus Christ. It is a relationship with that person. He is the way and the truth and the life. Not an idea is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, for those in Athens, when Paul got to this, that's what they rejected because they knew if they accepted this, it would change everything. So how about me? How about you? Have you accepted it yet in your life, this truth that only in Jesus can you find the way, the truth, and the life? I know you may love philosophy. God doesn't want you to stop thinking. I know you may love some things in your traditions, and God does not want you to let go of everything in your traditions, those family events that you grew up with. So don't let those thoughts invade your mind right now. The truth is, there is truth in Jesus Christ you cannot find anywhere else, the truth that you can know God personally, the truth that your life can turn around, the truth of an empty tomb and the new life that he can give you. Would you accept that truth right now? Just say to Jesus Christ, I accept the truth of who you are. It's not a religion. It's not a philosophy. It's not a way of life. It's you, Jesus. I accept the truth of the empty tomb and all that that means for my life, the forgiveness that you want to give, the life that you want to lead me in. I accept the truth of who you are. In Jesus' name, I refresh my acceptance of this truth. I make my first commitment of the acceptance of his truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, as we look together at Acts chapter 18, we're going to see the Apostle Paul hit a real wall in his life of faith.